Well, good morning, church. It's been a while since I've gotten to say that. So I'm back. Thank you for that. For, for those of you who reached out to me my time away with texts and emails and letters to let you know that you were praying for me, I want you to know how much I appreciate that. I was able to spend my month in some, some very productive, some very restful ways. So I think I read something like, like six books, got to meet with a mentor, began, actually began training to be a, a spiritual director, got to spend a week at the beach. I feel like that I'm able to hear God when I get out in nature. And so I got out in the woods to trail run, to, to, to backpack. I can, I can honestly say that I found Jesus in the woods. Here's the proof. Can I have that picture? <laughs> so that's my dad joke for the morning. You want to get that out of the way right up front. But seriously, my sabbatical was everything that I hoped that it would be. And my sabbatical was only possible because I, I knew that I could leave as the lead pastor. I knew that I could leave you, our MBIC church family, in very capable hands. And so I wonder if we can give a round of applause to our staff here. For all that they do and all that they did while I was away. One more thing before we start our conversation this morning. I find that for me, November is one of my favorite months for really a number of reasons. But one of those reasons is that November is MBIC's month to to fill the Mannheim Central Food Pantry. If you look inside your bulletins, there's actually a shopping list that's there that really gives you uh, a picture of of all the the kinds of things that the Mannheim Central Food Pantry is looking for. We've got uh, a table out in the lobby where you can bring those items in that you drop off. And I love this because this is a very real, a very acute need in our community. And this is a very real way that we can be Jesus show the love of Christ to our community. And so I try to challenge with you with this every single month and I want to I want to or every single November and I want to I want to do that again. I would love to see us absolutely bury that table out in the lobby, bury that table with food. And again as a very tangible way to show Christ's love to our community. So we are well into this series that we are calling Life with King Jesus, How Christ Invites You into a Beautiful Life of Surrender, a series that, that is all about the reality of King Jesus, which is the kingdom, and how that, that reality is available to you and can become more and more a reality in your own life. And so in this series, we are looking at Christ's most popular sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, a sermon that is all about experiencing that reality in the face of the kinds of things that we all deal with. And so far in this series, you've gotten to talk about anger and sexual temptation and lying. And today, as we continue talking about this beautiful life, this beautiful life that Jesus invites you into, we get to talk about the beautiful life and conflict. 
the beautiful life and revenge. So let me start this way. Anybody here, you just like conflict. You wake up in the morning and one of the first thoughts in your head is, man, I can't wait to mix it up with somebody today. That anybody in here? I'm not seeing any hands, which is great, because if so, I'd have to refer you to counseling. But let me ask this. Anybody involved in conflict right now? So, so maybe that's high-level conflict. Maybe that's, man, if I see that person, if they were to walk into this room, I would punch them in the head. Right? So, so that's high-level conflict. But maybe, maybe you're involved in conflict, and it's at the opposite end of the spectrum. It is low-level conflict. There is a tension between you and somebody else, and maybe you can't even name that tension. But there's a tension between you and somebody else. Maybe that is a neighbor. Maybe that is a coworker, a kid at school, someone who is in authority over you, a boss, a teacher. Maybe it's somebody here at church. Maybe it's a family member, somebody that you do not get along with. If you are, are involved in a conflict, there's a tension between you and someone else. Let me ask you this. Can I see your hand? And I want you to hold your hand up for a moment and look around, right? Lots of us have our hands up, and that gives us something to talk about this morning. So I want to ask one more thing of you. If you raised your hand, or even if you've got somebody that you're in conflict with and you couldn't raise your hand this morning, I want you for just a moment to take a mental snapshot of that person's face, that person that you are in conflict with. And if you'll do that, take that mental snapshot, slide it in your back pocket, and we'll come back to that picture in a moment. And that gets us to our scripture for this morning. But before we, we read our scripture, let me pray over us and for our time in God's word. Well, won't you pray with me? Let's pray. Father, we know that you are here. Psalms 139 tells us that that whether we go to the highest heavens or down to the depths, you are there. And so we recognize that you are in this space this morning. For those of us that are following Jesus, you are in our hearts. And so we know that you are present here to us and with us. And we want to respond to your presence by, by being present to you. By being the living sacrifice that Paul talks about in Romans 12, to willingly lay down to the best of our ability this morning our agendas and our preoccupations and our distractions and the ways that we would maybe even subconsciously sidestep the truth. As we come to your word this morning to see the word Jesus behind the words that we're going to look at, we thank you, Father, for your Son, through whom we can have new life, we can have a beautiful kind of life. We come this morning, Father, in honesty, knowing that in a room this size, with this many people, we are all over the map. Some of us here this morning are hungry to experience you. Some of us are hurting deeply. 
Some of us may not even know why we are here. Some of us are going to be antagonistic to what we hear this morning, but we bring all of that to you. And so, Father, as we open up your word, help us to see, help us to hear, help us to experience you, and come away with what you would have us experience this morning. We ask all these things in Christ's powerful name. Amen. This morning we come into our scripture in Matthew 5 against this backdrop. The author James Bryan Smith gives us, gives us, us our default response to the kind of conflict that we see in our world and we see in our lives. Here's this quote. In the kingdom of this world, which is our broader culture, people often feel disempowered and vulnerable and helpless and exposed. I wonder if you feel that way this morning. The quickest way to deal with this insecurity is to gain power to take charge. Feeling weak, go to the gym and build muscles. Feeling financially vulnerable, build wealth. Feeling unfairly treated by others, fight back, take them to court, assert your rights. The dominant narrative is if someone hits you, hit them back harder. That seems to be true in our world today in spades, but it was also true 2,000 years ago when Jesus spoke these words. Jesus says, you have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You have heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And stop there just for a second because it's important for us to know that this biblical sense of word isn't a feeling kind of love, but rather the love that we see in our, our scripture this morning. The idea there is it's the kind of love where even though it is very, very hard, Jesus is asking you to choose love. See, what Jesus is doing here is he's, he's riffing on established Jewish rules, right? An eye for an eye, you and I take that to mean, man, it is time for payback. But, but the intention of, of that eye for an eye in Exodus and Leviticus is to ensure that the punishment matches the injury. Like if someone causes you to, to stub your toe, you can't go after their head. So an eye for an eye really is about fairness and reciprocity. But Jesus goes beyond the demands of the law and says, turn the other cheek. If someone went after your shirt in court, and for some poor people, this, ha- this happened. All they had was the clothes on their back. And so, so if someone is going after your shirt, Jesus goes beyond the demands of the law and says, give them your coat too. These people that are listening to Jesus in his original audience, they are under the brutal oppression of the Romans. And Roman soldiers could could force a person to carry their stuff for a mile. But Jesus goes beyond the demands of the law and says, go two miles. 
The law required that you be generous to people inside your community, to your own people. But Jesus goes beyond the demands of the law and and removes the stipulation to only be kind to people like yourself. The law in Leviticus demanded love for neighbors and didn't even talk to how to treat your enemies. So people would use the law to justify their ill treatment of of their enemies. But Jesus goes beyond the misuse of the law and says, love your enemies. On every rule that Jesus references here, rules that the original audience would have been super familiar with, Jesus is going to double down. And it's important that we see that because, because Jesus is doubling down on these rules because he wants to take away our go-to moves. See, my default is if someone is threatening me, your default is if someone is threatening you, find a way. Find a loophole if you need to, but find a way to hammer them to make them pay. And if that's not an option, firewall yourself, duck and cover, minimize your exposure to risk. But Jesus doubles down on our go-to moves because he wants to shut down our go-to moves. Jesus wants to invite you into a new way. Jesus wants to invite you into a new way of seeing the world, a new way of being in and operating in the world. And it's because Jesus is doubling down here on these established Jewish laws, it's important that that we see that, that these scenarios that Jesus gives are not in and of themselves ironclad rules. Right? Giving us an ironclad rule is not the intent of what Jesus is doing here. Giving money, is it wise to, to allow a heroin addict to borrow money from you? No, it's not. If you're being hurt, is it wise to put yourself into an abusive situation? No, it's not. Get yourself away from that abuse. So, so please hear me this morning. Jesus, in these scenarios that he gives, he, he is not giving you ironclad rules to, to follow blindly. Jesus is asking you to be wise. But in these scenarios that he's giving to us, it's not a question of if you will bump into these things. It is a question of when you will bump into these things. Jesus is saying to those who would harm you, to those who would sue you, to those who would make outrageous demands on you, to those who would impose on you in the face of those kinds of things, choose love. Choose love. So so what does choosing love look like when you get unjustly sued? What does love look like when someone's trying to take advantage of you? What does love look like when someone is trying to harm you? I cannot give you a one-size-fits-all kind of answer here. We'll get to some practical wisdom in a moment, but but I can't give you a one-size-fits-all answer here. And it's another reason that Jesus is doubling down on the laws because for your very real, your very difficult kind of questions, for the conflicts that you are in, Jesus is, is, is inviting you to look to him for the answers to your very real questions. And when you do that, and this gets us back to our scripture, when you choose love, verse 45, in that way, 
you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is, is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that, but you are to be perfect. And here perfect means mature, which, which means that if you are able to find a way to choose love in the face of, of, of the very real threats in your life, that is a mark of real growth and real mature, maturity. And that response mirrors God's response to us, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. I wonder now that we have walked through this passage and we know what it means, I wonder if I can read the passage again and I'm going to ask two things of you. The first is this. If you're comfortable with this, I would, I would invite you to close your eyes if I, as I read back through this passage slowly and, and imagine that you are in the crowd as Jesus speaks. The words are are going to be back on the screen again. But again, if you're comfortable with it, I would invite you to close your eyes and imagine yourself in the scene as Jesus speaks. You are probably on a hill sitting amphitheater style. As Jesus says these things that fly in the face of conventional wisdom, you are surrounded by people. But imagine Jesus looking directly at you. Here's where I want you to pull out that snapshot of that person's face with whom you are in conflict. I want you to pull out that that snapshot as Jesus looks directly at you and says these words and invites you to choose love. You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken away from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask. Don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight both to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. I wonder how that felt for you. You don't have to answer that, but hearing 
these words spoken to you, picturing the face of that person with whom you are in conflict. How did that feel? For some of us, that was extremely difficult. You're thinking, Brian, you don't know what that person has done to me, and you are absolutely right. But what I do know this morning is that anytime you are in conflict, there are are two options that are open to you. You can repay that wrong by, by, by getting revenge. And in the moment, that feels like it's the right thing to do. If you're honest, that's what you want to do. But you have to know that getting that payback just continues that cycle of hurt and that cycle of pain. You pay them back, so they hurt you again, you hurt them again, and that cycle continues on and on. And in that cycle, not only are you subjected to continuing attacks, but there is a very real danger that in the back and forth, your own heart will become more angry, more resentful, more bitter, more hateful. So you can, you can repay that wrong by choosing revenge or you can choose love. You can choose forgiveness. And that's how we're going we're gonna to end our time this morning. Very practically, what does choosing love, what does forgiveness look like? And forgiveness is the opposite of revenge. Define it really quickly as this. Forgiveness is letting go of your desire, maybe even your right but letting go of your desire for payback. So what does choosing love, choosing forgiveness look like when you have been hurt, when you have been taken advantage of? And I'm gonna steal this from a sermon that I preached a couple of years ago, and that was heavily influenced by Tim Keller. So I just wanna give credit where it's due. So here's the things to know about choosing love, choosing forgiveness in that situation where you are in conflict with that person that I keep having you bring to mind. The first is this. If someone hurts you, go to them. We see that in Matthew 18. If you have been hurt by somebody, guess what? Go to them. We've seen that already in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. Whether you are the victim or the offender, the responsibility for making things right, for beginning that forgiveness conversation starts with you. If it's safe to do so, and sometimes it's not, but if it's safe to do so, in situations where you have been hurt, in which you have contributed elements that have have been hurtful, are you able to own those wrongs and to seek reconciliation? That means going to that person and saying, hey, things are not right between us. Let's talk. I need to ask for your forgiveness. Point two. Your extension of forgiveness does not necessarily mean reconciliation. Forgiveness is giving up your right to revenge. While we are are called to extend forgiveness, the one who has hurt you is called to repentance. As in our relationship with God, repentance is needed if full relational reconciliation is to be reality. So what does that mean? It means that forgiveness does not mean forgetting. Forgiveness does not mean that trust is automatically restored. Forgiveness does not mean that the relationship is automatically restored. 
Forgiveness does not mean that that you and others are not protected from hurtful behavior. Forgiveness does not mean that consequences get skipped. As a matter of fact, the way that, that the offending person embraces any consequences that might be there gives you a window into the depth of repentance in that person's heart. If they refuse to own the consequences, that's not repentance. Jesus calls us to choose love towards our enemies. That means letting go of bitterness and anger and hatred, but without repentance on the part of the offending party, reconciliation will not be a reality, yet forgiveness, and don't miss this, forgiveness opens the door to the possibility of reconciliation. Next point, forgiveness, choosing love can be a marathon. It can be a long and painful and difficult process. While forgiveness and choosing love may not be easy, know that to choose forgiveness is to to choose freedom from hostility and resentment in your own heart. If you're saying, man, it's just too hard. Right? The, the hurt and the pain that's been inflicted on me is just too great. Start by, by asking God to change your heart towards that person. And one of the ways to do that, and we, we, we see that in our text, is to begin when you are ready to begin to pray for that person. Pray for that person who has, has wronged you, remembering how, how God has, has been good to you. And this might be a place where you need your most honest prayer. God, this is too hard for me. This is too big for me. I need your help. Next point, reality of this broken world is that there are people who you will, who will not engage with you in any sort of reconciliation process. If that's the case, you can still offer forgiveness and then that next step is theirs. By, by extending forgiveness, you are, you are short-circuiting the resentment and the hostility that will grow in your heart if you cannot forgive. It's a bystander or hurtful situation. What can you do? Don't jump to conclusions. Oftentimes there's history there and you don't know that history. Try to encourage those involved to, 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 to seek reconciliation, toward reconciliation, and pray for that situation. That God would move in that situation, move in their hearts, soften their hearts. But once again, I know that when you've been wounded, when you've been taken advantage of the steps of extending forgiveness, of choosing love, of, of seeking reconciliation are, are hard Many, many times, it's too hard, way too hard to accomplish on your own. Conflict is one of the most difficult things that you will bump into in this life. And that makes conflict really, it makes it a school of discipleship. Because conflict is so very difficult and the ways that Jesus invites us to respond to to conflict are just they feel so risky, conflict becomes an opportunity. An opportunity to slow down. In that way, conflict almost acts like a speed bump and offers you a chance to see into your own heart. Because not only does conflict give you an opportunity to choose love, it also gives you an opportunity to see inside your own heart in those conflicts just how easily you 
can harm others. Just how easily you can default to attacking when you've been attacked so that that the real opportunity of conflict is in this. If you are going to become the kind of person who more and more and more chooses love from the core of who you are, if you are going to become more and more the kind of person where choosing love becomes your go-to move, you are going to need God's help to become that kind of person. If you're going to take the risk of choosing love, of, of extending forgiveness in those circumstances where you have been hurt, you will, you will never be able to take that risk unless you know Deep down in your bones know that you are safe and secure in the kingdom of God. And that gets me to the point that I need you to take away from this morning, and it's this. In this broken world, your ability to choose love is tied directly to your depth of knowing that you are absolutely loved and absolutely unshakable in the kingdom of God so important, I need to say it again. In this broken world, your ability to choose love is tied directly to your depth of knowing that you are absolutely loved and absolutely unshakable in the kingdom of God. Which is to say that, that, that if you only know God's love a little bit, then you are only going to be able to extend love to choose love a little bit. But if you know God's love deeply, then you are going to be able to choose love in deep and meaningful ways. So if I pull a question out of this statement, I want to leave you with this. Do you know Christ's love so deeply that you are able to choose love when you've been hurt deeply? Because the reality is this, if you are a follower of Jesus, the reality is that, that you are deeply loved. That you are, are never alone as, 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 you, as you risk much and choose love. If there is forgiveness that you need to extend, if there's forgiveness that you need to seek, even if things get sideways in the middle of, of pursuing that reconciliation, as a child of the king, you do not navigate that situation alone. Because as a child of the most high king, God is good to you, God listens to you, God answers you, God protects you, God is full of unfailing love, God hears your cries in those difficult moments, he is your help. For that person that you are in conflict with, if you are able to work towards reconciliation, can you imagine what choosing love looks like in that situation? Can you imagine what freedom looks like in your own heart in that situation? I'm going to invite the the worship team to come back up. And as they do, I want to leave you with these words from Psalms 86, where, where David has someone who is looking to harm him. And he looks to God, his king. In that conflict that I keep asking you to to bring to mind, that person that you're in conflict with, will you look to the king? Will you ask him how he he is asking you to choose love in that conflict? This is Psalms 86. 
Bend down, O Lord, and hear my prayer. Answer me, for I need your help. Protect me, for I am devoted to you. Save me, for I serve you and trust you. You are my God. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am calling on you constantly. Give me happiness, O Lord, for I give myself to you. O Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for for all who ask for help. Listen closely to my prayer, O Lord. Hear my urgent cry. I will call to you whenever I'm in trouble, and you will answer me. Oh God, insolent people rise up against me. A violent gang is trying to kill me. You mean nothing to them, but you, O oh Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Look down, have mercy on me. Give strength to your servant. Save me, the son of your servant. Send me a sign of your favor. Then those who hate me will be put to shame. For you, O oh Lord, help and comfort me. 